analysis, and reaction. Here is NL News Director Shane Woodford on 610 AM. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, interesting looking day out there. We got some clouds. Well, it looks like a little bit of smoke rolling in up the North Thompson. Uh, newsroom's looking into that. It looks like it should shake out to be a nice looking day. We got a lot on the show to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk to the CAP team, some interesting stats and their interactions around the community. We'll also talk to Fortis PC. Kamloops leading the way when it comes to not so much messing up cast lines when you dig. And then we'll turn our attention to Canadian politics and more on the SNC-Lavalin fallout uh, with Jody Wilson-Raybould and uh, Jane Philpott with uh, the Kamloops Member of Parliament, Kathy McLeod. But first up, real pleasure to welcome to the program this morning in studio, Ashley and Critchlow. How are you? I am great, and I'm so happy to be here right now. <laughs> <laughs> if you can see it on my face. Yeah, you're all smiles. <laughs> so you run a podcast called mm-hmm. Miss Confidentiality, yeah. uh, and basically people ask you relationship questions. They can yeah. be uh, interesting things to like some really out there stuff. But first off, what what was the motivation? Like what kind of said, you know, I'm going to start this podcast. What 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 was the what happened there? So I have so many friends who kind of come to me for advice and things of that nature. And always when they're leaving, they're like, oh my gosh, I should have came here first or I should have like talked to you first. So I kind of been sitting on the back of my head like I am giving some great advice so maybe this <laughs> needs to be recorded and given to, <laughs> given to many more people yeah. so after I kind of got over that little hurdle of um, me taking a bit of my private life into the public yeah I'm just having fun I just feel like it's reaching a lot of people so many people can relate some relationships people feel are like so niche and different than others but really a lot of times so many others are going through the exact same situation and finding so it's just nice i think when people are able to have somebody who has a background of psychology and counseling tell them what they think they might be able to do or how they can fix it or maybe even exit the relationship with um knowing that i am a person and i've gone (laughs) through my own personal love life and this is what i might have done to navigate it now you say you say on your podcast website uh, you're talking about what you know best lust and love. Mm-hmm. Now, how much does your personal life kind of factor into what kind of translates to the on the air mm-hmm. podcast version? You know what I feel like it does seep in there. I try to do um, a bit of unprofessional advice, I like to call it, because it's a (laughs) podcast. Um, But then I also do my personal advice. So I always distinguish which is my personal experience first. This is me as a professional putting my professional hat on and giving you advice. My personal experience has been a little rocky, but we're solid. (laughs) I'm with somebody pretty solid now. So I got a lot of background in terms of how to get through those hoops and barriers of the no good guy or no Oh, good girl. <laughs> I assume that's the gentleman over here. Yes, yeah. the gentleman in the corner. <laughs> he looks good. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yep. And he's so, been helping so much um, doing the little tech part of everything. Well, here's here's what I'm curious. If, I mean, relationships mm. and finding people is, is often hard enough. Yes. But if you're running a show mm. where you talk about relationship advice, mm. you ever run into where like, you ever think some guy's going to be like, um, not so sure I want my private stuff splattered all over your yeah. podcast. <laughs> I might just put a little bit of brakes on this. Um, I try my best to reference past relationships when I do give advice. (laughs) So when I'm giving maybe my current relationship, people might not be able to know which is overlapping. Yeah. But... We're solid for now. Mm, so right. <laughs> <laughs> anything that I'm referencing is usually my past or it may be a close friend where, you know, close friends, you always feel like you're in their relationship, like yeah. their relationship becomes your relationship. Right. So I yeah, kind yeah. of use them as well when I'm doing my personal advice. So um, 
you obviously solicit you know relationship advice mm. from people um mm. how's that part going and have you got some weird wacky stuff because is there stuff that comes in that's super serious or you yeah. kind of you find yourself taking a step back is mm. there stuff that comes in mm. where you look at this and you kind of go what really yeah <laughs> this is funny i found a few serious stuff so far some of those i don't put on the podcast i yeah. might just actually directly contact with the person make contact with that person just because it is such a heavy topic that sometimes I feel like maybe it's better if we had a little bit of a one-to-one and those wacky fun stuff with a little bit of seriousness (laughs) I usually will put on the podcast. I've got everything from um, people having to deal with cross-dressing in their relationship now, people having to deal with they want to open the relationship (laughs) and all these things that maybe might not be a part of the norm of a relationship. I've got, which I'm pretty surprised, but it's nice. And as I said, as much as people feel like it's just them out there, there are millions and millions of others that are probably experiencing the exact same thing. This is a generational thing, but I mean, I've been married for a little while now, so Mm. the whole online portion was kind of Mm. beginning uh, when I was sliding on the ring. But how much is the online thing, you know, from from now the apps and Tinder and things? I mean, how much of that is like throwing people for a loop out there? I think a lot. I got. I get a lot of entries that kind of circulate around Tinder. Yeah. I think the rough thing is that people are so like it's accessible to just kind of swipe and just get rid of people you don't like and not invest. So because that accessibility is there, people aren't investing in relationships in the same way. Because the moment you make me upset, I can just pop my profile back on and you know swipe away so that is leaking into relationships I think and I always try to tell people that social media is similar to like movies and Mm -hmm. you know television where try your best to not get caught up in that because most of it's most of it's just kind of like a show right it's not relationships are hard yeah and you have to be willing to kind of get into them and really go through the trenches. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to work with with people who are using Tinder and things of that nature, that it's not all roses and petals. There yeah. is rough things, and you got to stick it out, even if you know that on Tinder you're blowing up with like 500 dudes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I canvassed uh, the building for some, some relationship mm. stuff just because you were coming in. Um, one of the themes that seemed to emerge is we got a, we got some people in here dealing with some long distance stuff. Oh man, yeah, long distance. Yeah, so what's your deal on long distance? Is that something that can you can pull it through the fire and come out the other end or you got to do some extra special stuff? I mean, what's the deal with long distance? So, for my personal experience, it's hard. Yeah. And I've ended up actually moving with my own personal experience because I wanted to do the long distance. I came out to Kamloops and I was like, I am staying for a year. I'm not <laughs> going any longer. And then it was like, I'm staying for two years. <laughs> and now I've been three. So it's super hard to kind of do long distance and yeah. only focus on you know Skype and, and not having the physical part of a relationship. But I do think it is doable. I think a big part of long distance is financial. Like that if you don't have the means to fly across Canada or fly to wherever you're going, it's going to put a big, 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 yes. you know, um, barrier in your relationship. But if you have the financial means to kind of stay connected, hop on a train, a bus, a plane, or whatever the case is, I think it can work out. As well as I'm, I'm very big on the age you're in, right? If you're in your early 20s, I would say try to date local. It's, you know, you're still getting yourself together. You're still yeah. building your career. It's just... It's hard. Yeah. But if you're in your 30s plus, go for it. (laughs) Like that person across like town may not be for you. And that person three provinces away might. 
Amen to that. Um, uh, what kind of, is there a commonality in what people come to you with? I mean, I'm sure you get a array of stuff, mm-hmm. but is there a theme that runs through some of this stuff? Like, is there something that kind of is the dominant question mm-hmm. people are throwing your way? And if so, what, what, what would it be? Yeah, I think the big thing that everybody kind of brings up is how can I communicate in an appropriate way? I do, and you mentioned social media. Everyone yeah. is used to texting and, you know, um, putting it on yeah, their post and yeah, Twitter exactly. Whatever, yeah. Whereas a lot of people don't have that face-to-face conversation, or they don't know how to have that face-to-face conversation. Mm. So I always try to put those tips out there, whether it's using iMessages when you're talking to someone, which is basically just saying, "I feel this way. This is how um, this is making me." But you're always talking about yourself, how it's making you feel, right. and not saying you're making me feel this way. So that's one thing I always mention to people: knowing when you're getting off of your base. Line. A lot of people don't know when they're getting agitated or irritated. They feel like they're going zero to 100, yeah. but actually they were creeping up from zero <laughs> to that 100 and they just didn't realize. Yeah. So it's also even that tool is knowing when you're getting off your baseline, knowing when it's time to put a pin in a conversation and come back to it. All those little pieces where sometimes we think it's common sense it's really not common sense. A lot of people have never had it modeled. They've never seen it before in their own household. Yeah. And they need somebody to kind of walk them through that. Some ways, I think technology, and you referenced it there a bit, mm. technology in a way is, is made communication easier and more yeah. difficult at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, because it's... I mean, the age-old game is how do you get to know somebody, right? Because mm-hmm. everyone puts up the facade right away. Exactly. And technology, to some degree, has allowed mm-hmm. us to maintain a different sort of facade for a longer level of time. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, I, I was interested in your podcast titles. There, Some of them are, are yeah. pretty interesting. You know, like Miss Open Wide was an yeah. interesting one. <laughs> do you choose the podcast no titles? No intended. Yeah. They just sort of, I assume they're based on the subject matter? Yeah, yeah, they're usually based on the subject matter. They I try to always kind of give people a little blurb of what's going to be yeah. Um, discussed. And I like to keep it short because I've noticed that sometimes when things go for an hour, people tune out. Yeah, they tune out. They're not, they just want to kind of, everything's quick nowadays, right? With yes. technology, they just want to get to the point. <laughs> they want to know how they can fix it. And I kind of feel the same way with titles. It's, it needs to be grabbing when you're um, putting it, but also it needs to reflect what you're actually talking about. Nobody sure. wants to see Miss Open Wide and then you're talking about church, right? <laughs> so it's not about church? No. <laughs> Depends uh, on the church you're going to. Uh, yeah. uh, you getting good listenership? What's the deal? Yeah. So I have hit around a thousand or so listeners so far. Um, not everybody has subscribed. So if you haven't hit that button, please. Yeah. But I've had it across the episodes and I'm feeling out that some um, topics people are more interested in than others, right? One thing I have noticed is people love chaos, right? So the one, the relationships that are maybe a little bit more stable, people are like, meh. But the ones that are going through some trouble, people are like, maybe I'll tune in. I call call that the Jerry Springer thing right there. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks so much for coming in. It was really awesome to touch base. Yeah, it was great. Thanks again. That's Ashley Critchlow, host of Miss Confidentiality. You can find her on Apple iTunes as well as some other things. You should click subscribe. Uh, We'll take a quick break on the Woodford Show. On the other side, we'll talk to the CAP team and some rather interesting stats. Is there in the community. Local News Now, Radio NL, 610 AM and RadioNL.com. Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Shane Woodford on 610 AM and RadioNL.com. 
Good morning. Welcome back to the Woodford Show. Real pleasure to be joined in studio by Alexis Pruz, the CAP Team Supervisor. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. How are you? Good. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. So you guys have put out your stats, and there's some interesting stuff here. Um, first off, uh, maybe translate some of this stuff. The one that caught my eye was tinfoil picked up. Yes. What's, what's that about? Um, so one of the things that um, drug users will typically do is heat up their drugs if they're injecting. Yeah. Um, so we pick up that paraphernalia. Um, the good news is, is I was just in a meeting a couple of weeks ago um, and Interior Health was there. So the reason we were picking it up is we had thought that it might be a risk to the public, mm. um, but IH has informed us that that is not the case. So okay. we'll continue to pick it up. But yeah, we are. We did keep track of those numbers. How much does drug paraphernalia sort of account for you know what you guys are seeing on the street? I mean, there I see there's it's there, but broken down into various sort of factions like you know used needles, unopened needles, naloxone, like that kind of thing. But it seems to account for a lot of stuff. It it accounts for. Um, a good amount of for the drug side of it but it's not something that we're seeing all the time we don't see it all day so yeah. that is good um typically what we're seeing is a lot more of the paraphernalia um instead of the needles so the things that might pose a risk so we are happier to see that on the streets you know there's saline um that's given out and we see those quite a bit but yeah Okay. Uh, some of the other stats on there, what, what kind of jumps out at you for, for what you guys are doing since you know best about what your sort of realm of responsibilities <laughs> are out there? I think the one that jumps out the most to me has got to be, okay, our business contacts because we do work for the Business Improvement Association. Yes. Um, so, of course, we got to make sure that we're communicating with our members. And then, of course, our kilometers biked <laughs> and our kilometers walked, of course. It those seems are, like a healthy gig. Yeah, it is a healthy <laughs> gig. We got a lot of extra exercise um of course we're not we're, we're just getting into the biking season now um but yeah lots of kilometers put on our belt so that's good um how is the a lot of people uh complain about the homelessness issue and especially in the summer months where it, there's a there's either a reality or perception that it that it picks up uh how's interactions with sort of the vagrants of the homeless in the city is this something that sort of staying steady for you or is it is it becoming an increasing issue out there yeah so that's a really good question um i know that the city has a little bit more in-depth stats but the thing that i can speak on is that the cap team really builds a really great rapport with the vulnerable populations um that's one of the intended purposes of the ambassador program um so we're really happy to be able to collaborate with different organizations and partner to see how we can get those people help and where we can send them and how we can assist them um so i think that that's all that i can really speak to that mm, of yeah. course we are interacting with people on a daily basis yeah. um but you know we had a couple of amazing shelters open up this winter um so we were happy to be able to send people there and try to get aid there as well i noticed uh, in a, there's a single instance of where uh, cpr was utilized another one where naloxone was administered i can imagine i mean hopefully that's not something you guys see regularly again a single instance in this case but that must be enormously stressful yeah Yes, it, it can it can take a toll. Um, we are very fortunate that that was the one case that it's happened um, for us. So we were really happy that we had the training necessary. Um, since then, we've gone to, in the past two years, we've gone from a one-day first aid course to a two-day one. Um, Canadian Mental Health Association this year was really great uh, to work with and collaborate with to get us our mental health first aid. So we're excited to be able to, learning diff be able to learn different techniques to help people. Uh, the other one that caught my eye was there was a uh 
um, uh, a lot of interactions with tourists as well, which yes. is kind of nice, right? And I always see, I always stop too when I'm walking. I've been a tourist in other places, so I always appreciate when someone helps. Uh, but it's good to kind of see those people that are looking at the map and looking decidedly confused, right? And then <laughs> yeah. throwing them a lifeline, right? <laughs> you, you all need help over there? Yeah, ex- exactly. We had um, quite a bit of tourist assist. Um, Rocky Mountaineer and Tourism Camelops are actually two of our sponsors. So we're really be- happy to be able to help and send people and let them know that there's always something going on downtown. Um, we have a really dedicated uh, team group right now. They're very genuine people, so they are natural helpers and natural helpers in the community. So it's really great to be able to work with our tourists and assist them. How's the CAP team coming along? Like, are you guys sort of perfectly staffed? Is it, uh, I know that this has been going on for a couple of years now, but do you see sort of a room to kind of, okay, we need to evolve to this. We need to adapt to that. We need more people here or we need to work, you know, uh, we need to be over here at a certain time. How's it evolving out there for you guys? Well, I mean, I think we could always use more people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think one of the coolest things is our employee retention. We do have um, a little bit of a turnover rate, which is a success for us because our employees are going to their career paths and where they want to go. Um, of course, we're always looking for sustainable funding opportunities. We have um, a few really great sponsors right now, and we're looking to expand that so that we can employ more people. Perfect. Do you guys have turnover a lot, or what's the? I it? I would say only one one or two a year. Like we have right now, I've been there for three and a half years. John has been there for two and a half, and then we had a new hire in. December, so we're excited, and we have one part-time who's in school. Wow. As well. And when do you guys? What do you only work during a certain part of the year, though? Correct? No, you okay. work all year. Yeah, in 2015, oh, year. Okay. we we started a pilot project to be year-round. Oh, good. So we're year-round still. So well, that's there we exciting. Go. Awesome stuff. Well, Alexis, thanks for coming in. Yeah. And holy smokes, for people who don't <laughs> know, because uh, we talked about, let's give you the numbers real quick here. Uh, almost 3,400 kilometers walked, and uh, just over 1,500 kilometers biked. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, okay. So uh, we'll take a quick break here on the Woodford Show. On the other side, Fortis BC will join us as Kamloops leading the way in, in a certain way, and we'll get into that in a minute. Radio NL. RadioNL.com. Local news now. The voice of your community. You're listening to Shane Woodford on 610 AM and RadioNL.com. Good morning and welcome back to the Woodford Show. Real pleasure to be joined in the studio from Fortis, BC, the Damage Prevention and Emergency Services Manager, Ian Turnbull. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. Good. Thanks for coming. You always bring your shovel in with you. I do. I take it everywhere I go. I always feel bad because <laughs> I don't have anything for you to dig around here. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's for you to dig yourself out of yeah. whatever happens next. My wife will appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, it is an early Father's Day gift. <laughs> okay, so uh, good news is is that when it comes to gas line breaks, Kamloops is, uh, seems to be doing something right. Uh, if I remember the numbers right, we're, we're down about 65% over the last little while. So what is, right. what is Kamloops doing right that uh, uh, perhaps you guys want to see replicated elsewhere? Well, I think what we're seeing here is that everyone, whether it's a contractor or a homeowner, when they're starting to plan their work uh, that involves digging, excavating, they are uh, making that call to BC One call or clicking, the uh, easier way to do it nowadays, (laughs) and uh, getting the information back from all of the the utility owners and members of BC One call and... uh, using that information, like actually looking at what we give them uh, and avoiding uh, hitting the underground infrastructure. Well, I don't, uh, you know, I always, I was like, if 
we're seeing a lot of development in Kamloops, yep. and I assume other places over the years as well, especially Metro Vancouver. So if you're if you're out there and you're doing a development, because I assume most of these are industrial, not so much, you know, uh, Tom over in Sahali has decided to dig a hole in his backyard with a uh, shovel. Actually, you'd be really surprised. Really? It's uh, 30% of the people who uh, hit our system are homeowners. Really? So it's uh, Tom... <laughs> Planting the the rose bush or putting in a new really fence. oh wow. yeah absolutely okay. so anytime you're gonna you're gonna crack open the earth yep. it's best to give you guys a call no matter what it is we've struggled over the years we um, with people saying well I'm not excavating I'm only using a shovel to yeah. uh, dig a hole in my backyard to plant a rose bush and uh, you know excavating is when you have a backhoe or a big track hole or something yeah. like that so we're actually now trying to use the term ground disturbance so if you're changing it from what it was to something different yeah. then it really needs you to make that call to the one call system wow um, I assume a lot of this infrastructure is fairly older I mean it was put in and then houses get built and that kind of thing um, do people just need more awareness about where this stuff is hence the one call because you know for, I think about the Trans Mountain Pipeline for example I mean there was a time in the lower mainland when that was in the boondocks you know, there was yep. nothing there. And in the, and then yep. in the uh, years since, communities have sprung up and all of a sudden, you know, there it is under the under yep. that apartment building, right? So, you know, you're, well, it hopefully isn't under the apartment building, <laughs> but it might be beside the uh, Well, I lived building. in one in Langley and you could throw a rock onto it from yep. the balcony, quite literally. So. No, absolutely true. So what you would have, and you're quite right, in Kamloops here, you've had uh, expansion out into areas that were uh, just vacant. Yeah. land before and now you've got homes and subdivisions and uh, there's that but there's also the older established areas people have lived in their area for or in their home for many years and they go well I, yeah I know where the line is I know what's happened and they're wrong <laughs> their memories <laughs> their memories failed them so it, yeah. it really does take uh, that free call it I don't think I mentioned it was free mm. so it is free to the um, to the users of the system and uh, we'll get that information and you can say yep I was right or no I thought it was on the other side of the air yeah. how costly is it I mean I, I hear about gas line breaks you know not routinely but it happens a couple mm -hmm. of times a year and you hear about okay you know this neighborhood's getting evacuated Fortis is on their way yep. blah 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 uh, I assume that that is a fairly expensive thing to deal with once a gas line you know happens to crack open for whatever reason so our um, ability to charge people is basically whatever it costs us to repair sure. is what that person is going to be. still must bear, the Fortis has got to bear some kind of cost there for sure. Uh, the, the costs are more in, in the background. It's that uh, technician that was going to come to your house to change your gas meter yeah. or the crew that was going to put the gas line into your new house or restaurant. They've now been interrupted. So your schedule, your your day, that half day you took off to meet the technician to change your gas meter, um, you'll get a call and say, well, technician can't come. He's on a gas line emergency. And uh, can we reschedule? So there's there's that inconvenience cost to you and, and to us. Uh, but there's also the fire department. If they get called out, there's the road closures, there's the yes. trains being stopped, the transit being uh, uh, held up. So it's uh, not just the cost for the repair, it's all these societal costs that are in behind it that mm. people don't think about. Yeah, yeah. So, And it can be embarrassing if it was you 
<laughs> doing the work, and all of a sudden, yeah. you're on the front page yeah. of, uh, yeah. or you're the lead uh, yeah. story Suddenly on your NL News, and I'm right? on the other end of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's happened. So if Kamloops is doing so well, down 65%, which is great, uh, is there is there areas of the province or a community in the province that's on the other end of the scale? It's just, you guys want to see some major improvement? Or? Well, I'd like to see major improvements everywhere, but uh, we do have communities Don't like... Don't be coy. Uh, just tell me Surrey sucks. Uh, Surrey <laughs> Surrey is uh, is number two on the list. Is it? That's a shot in the dark. Yeah, and Van- and Vancouver. Uh, we've got uh, uh, Kelowna and areas like that. And as you said earlier, though, it's all of these areas are undergoing such development. Yeah. And um, funnily enough, where you've got people, we seem to have damages. So. Yeah. What Kamloops has done is, uh, I think, really taking it seriously. The mayor has declared this month a safe digging month in, in Kamloops, and we have a proclamation from him, which was just super. Mm. And it it shows us that uh, the community as a whole takes it serious and really wants to do something. So that's one of the reasons I think you've gone from you know 60 damages some few years ago down to just over 20 last year. Yeah, so it's just really a matter of communication. Yeah. Then. I mean, and which has got to be tough these days because there's so many avenues to do it and you got to kind of flood all avenues, I suppose. But. Well, we've tried at the uh, with BC One Call, they've uh, introduced some new software and now when a homeowner or a company goes on, they can essentially uh, circle their uh, work on a Google Earth map and send it along that oh, really? way. Yeah, so it's uh, <laughs> we tried to make it uh, modern and easy yeah. and and uh, convenient for people. We can uh, do it at 2 in the morning if you felt like it. Wow, that's really cool, actually. Mm-hmm. Wow, technology playing an interesting role. <laughs> <laughs> we try. Yeah, no kidding. Um, are you guys laying any new gas lines these days, or are you just doing the existing infrastructure? Uh, no, there's new gas lines going in and around okay. all of the uh, the province. There'll be rehabilitation programs. As you said, some of our uh, system, as it um, becomes old, we like to replace it to keep everything up and uh, Is, the utmost safety. Are some of the new techniques or even maybe pipeline materials kind of designed now to try and prevent... You know, uh, any kind of, I guess you can't really stop a rupture if heavy machinery drops on it, but is there new sort of safety techniques and or materials that are trying to, you know, reduce that with with that avenue alone or no? Um, You know, are you burying them deeper or using a different thing? No, one of the the challenges with us as a utility is uh, natural gas being lighter than air. If there is a leak, it's going to rise up through the surface. So we try and have our lines um, on the... uh, not so deep so that if there is a leak it doesn't interfere or get into any of the sewers or storm sewers or telephone and electric ducts yeah. and like so what we try and do is keep it as one of the shallower utilities so it's closer to the surface and any leaks um get out and uh, become safer yeah. that way rather than get into other utilities. I always think because it, it is so volatile that you know, um, like I said, I've heard in the past about, you know, you get a gas line leak and you see the neighborhood sort of evacuate mm-hmm. until things get patched up and I just think, wow you know, that has the potential to go so sideways past the rupture and thank God it didn't, but man, the potential really is there, isn't it? 
There is potential, absolutely. But again, we work with fire departments around the province to ensure that they have the uh, the skills to uh, respond to these, uh, and they understand what we're doing when we show up, so yeah. that we can work together as a team and make sure that these are resolved uh, safely. And by far, uh, with the number of hits that we have and other uh, damages to our system, we've been extremely uh, fortunate. Uh, nothing has a uh, knock on wood it's caused <laughs> I don't too think much. This is wood. No, you're right. <laughs> oh well, my head. <laughs> so we've had um, good um, good luck with that, but we uh, at the same time we spend a lot of time and effort to yeah. make sure that these things uh, are dealt with in a correct fashion. Okay, so uh, I guess just to finish off. So people know, uh, mm-hmm. if you're a business, if you're a person, and you're thinking about uh, digging that hole, uh, what do you do again? You call BC One Call. So that's 1-800-474-6886, or go to bconecall.com, and, uh, or pardon me, .ca, and uh, click before you dig. Excellent stuff. Ian, thanks for taking some time. Thanks, Appreciate Shane. it. Yeah, that's, that's great. Ian Turnbull with Fortis BC, and thanks to Diana, who sat here struggling yeah, yeah, look at you. <laughs> uh, and we'll take a quick break here on the Woodford Show. On the other side, we'll turn our attention to federal politics. Camelot's uh, MP Kathy McLeod will join us. Local News Now, Radio NL, 610 AM and RadioNL.com. Your opinion. Call or text 250-374-5345. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Radio NL News. This is Shane Woodford on RadioNL.com. Good morning. Welcome back to the Woodford Show. Real pleasure to be joined on the phone from Ottawa, the Member of Parliament for the Kamloops Thompson, Kathy McLeod. Good morning, Kathy. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Uh, listen, uh, there's no shortage of stuff to talk about. There has been plenty of drama coming out of Ottawa. Let's pick up on the Jody Wilson-Raybould, uh, Jane Philpott situation, one that has been simmering away for some uh, 54 or 55 days, and then suddenly the Prime Minister pulls the plug and ejects them both from caucus and from the party. Uh, your your sense of, of whether that was a good decision or no? So it's really puzzling to me. What the Liberals have been upset about is how the truth came out, not what the truth is. And they keep trying to send Canadians down all these different rabbit holes. But the thing that's absolutely critical is in Canada, the independence of the justice system is fundamental to who we are as a country. And we have compelling evidence that there was interference. Um, you know, especially in the case of Minister Philpott, um, to oust her from caucus is an absolute puzzle. Now, in the past, there's a pretty clear rhythm here. If someone splits from uh, the sort of party dictate on whatever the issue is, there's a pretty clear divorce deal there. And we've seen it in the past in provincial and federal politics. When somebody speaks out of turn or does something the party doesn't like, uh, here we go. This one took a little longer to unfold. If they're not, the line from the Liberals is, if they're not team players, we can't have a fractured team on the inside. Some vague references, of course, to the Paul Martin, John Chrétien situation of the past. Does that argument hold water that these two were were, uh, essentially dissidents on the inside? What you have is, again, they're trying to send you down all these rabbit holes. You have something very serious that potentially uh, was 
going to happen in terms of interference with the criminal justice system. So we have two ministers who stood up for truth, and this was at great risk to their political careers. As we now know, they're no longer cabinet ministers. They're no longer in the caucus. But what they were doing is standing up for something so fundamental important that they decided it was worth, um, you know, whatever happened because the truth was absolutely essential. So, you know, I think they were standing on ethics. They were standing on principles. This is very different than many other sort of caucus disagreements. And, you know, certainly I think, again, in the case of Minister Phil Potter, the former minister, I mean, she stepped down to cabinet, which was appropriate because if she couldn't stand in solidarity around defending the cabinet decision, then she should step down from cabinet. But members of parliament are supposed to have a little bit more freedom in terms of expressing what's happening. And she really only did one thing. She stepped down from cabinet and she did one interview saying she was concerned about this issue. So, you know, to take someone who was such a respected minister in this government and say, you know, we don't need you anymore. This was her standing, taking a moral stand. And really the liberals just seem to be more upset about how the truth came out. So uh, you've referenced the truth several times there. Um, On the central issue of the SNC-Lavalin and the allegations that surround that, how do we how do we find the truth? What what mechanism is out there or currently in play that will tell us, okay, this happened, it was right, it was wrong, whatever the end result is? I, I think if you look at all the documents, so we know clearly, and the Prime Minister did admit it for the first time yesterday in question period, September 4th, he did have a discussion with her where she indicated she was concerned that he was inappropriately pressuring her. We have documented cases of a myriad of actors over the next four months and then culminating with the audio tape from Michael Warnick where clearly the Prime Minister was not willing to take no for an answer or I'm concerned about prosecutorial independence. So it was still happening and that's four months later in multiple, multiple interactions. To me, the evidence is is quite clear in this case. Now, the Prime Minister came in, and one of the issues that that is floating around out there is whether he's losing his feminist credentials. Um, In this case, two uh, very strong independent women have been ejected from the party, and this is the the third woman who's left the party. You guys, of course, picking up the other one. Um, Is his his credentials there taking a bit of a beating, Kathy, or no? Well, if you look at the... There's actually four. So there are four independent, strong-minded women. One chose to come over to the Conservatives. One left on her own accord. She was um, berated in her words by the Prime Minister when she decided she needed to step down for family reasons. And then, of course, the two that were recently ousted. So, you know, certainly um, to me that doesn't speak to sort of strong feminist credentials. But, you know, I really don't like to usually go down that path. But I have always wondered if, you know, if this was a Ralph Goodall or a Bill Murnau and they had said no as the Attorney General, would the staff and the Prime Minister have responded differently? And I don't, I think in all my years as a politician, I've never gone down that path, but I really am asking myself, in this case, was there some, uh, you know, issues at stake here that uh, were about misogyny? Um, on the SNC-Lavalin front, I mean, I know the Liberals want to change the channel on this thing. Uh, do you think there's another shoe to drop out there? And if so, what do you think it will be? 
I'm, you know, I don't have a crystal ball. I've never had a crystal ball on this issue. Um, you know, someone told us we'd be still talking about it two months later. I fully, to be honest, expected the Prime Minister, after the initial testimony of um, Jody Wilson-Raybould, I expected him to come out and say, wow, I didn't know what was happening in my office. And I thought he would come out at that point. This was months ago and say, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't realize the scope of things. Um, and so that night when he came out originally and was so um, unapologetic, it was really quite stunning to me. So they've just, you know, kept this alive, going on, going on. So right now, of course, there is a criminal prosecution. The uh, new attorney general um you know, has the same opinion from the Director of Public Prosecutions. And, you know, certainly from everything I understand, this company doesn't qualify for a different prosecution agreement, and they need to go through the court system. I mean, these are serious crimes that this company's committed and, you know, certainly has even some recent, uh, more recent things in Canada that are certainly a concern. Uh, tangent to that, the Daughters of the Vote uh, happened, uh, you know, you're we well aware of who they are and, and what the situation was yesterday. Um, great cause. You and I have talked about uh, the how do we increase the role of women in politics in the past. Uh, the Daughters of the Vote is certainly helping out on that front. Uh, yesterday in the House of Commons, uh, 40 or 50 of them stood up and turned their backs on the Prime Minister when he was talking about that. Uh, and then prior to that, a bunch of them walked out and, on your leader, Andrew Scheer, when he was speaking. What's your sense of, of what happened in the House of Commons yesterday? I want to give a huge shout out to Morgan, who represented Kamloops Thompson Caribou, and I had a chance to have a nice conversation with her. Not only is she thrilled to be there, but she was just enjoying every minute of the opportunity. I mean, I guess you, um, these young women were expressing their concerns. You know, I think with Andrew Shear, I, I wanted someone in the media to say, well, we object to Andrew's policies, and I wanted someone in the media to say, well, what policies are you concerned about? Because I think it was not a very very fulsome um, opportunity to really hear what their concerns were. And, you know, certainly I think, you know, a lot of people are feeling very sensitive in terms of what happened in, with the former Attorney General. So, you know, I guess... Um, you know, it was young women expressing their opinions, and, and uh, I guess we want strong one, young women to be there in Parliament. So you, you approve uh, not necessarily of what they did to, in the case of Andrew Scheer, but in the more general principle, you approve of the fact that they, they were invested in, in whatever issue is at play and, and chose to do something on whatever principles they hold then? Well, I think, um, you know, when we walked, they said, well, that the Conservatives walked on, out on the budget. But what they don't realize is we stay there day after day after day, um, and it's a really very extraordinary thing. In my time in Parliament, that's the first time that we've ever actually walked out. So so I think, um, you know, it would be lovely to have more conversation with the, the the daughters of the vote to to talk about why we walked out during the budget, but also again to hear what their concerns were and and so I, I think you know it it is an opportunity for dialogue. I would hate to see that the dialogue is just dropped off at this point. I think um, there should be some more time to be chatting about these issues. The other thing I'm concerned about is that I'm hearing that. Um, for example, there's a lot of like-minded individuals there, um, and there's some that are perhaps have a conservative mindset or a di different mindset, and they're feeling that they're um, that they have been put down by some of the other uh, attendees. So I think, you know, it concerns me that 
when you're hearing that there's not respect for all the perspectives within this kind of forum. So I think there's a lot of learning that we need to do out of this last few days. Yeah, well, that certain lack of respect is definitely uh, permeated from the federal political level as well, and you and I have talked about that as well, and perhaps, uh, perhaps it's just sort of disappointing to see that sink down to that level as well. Kathy, uh, thanks so much for calling in. Appreciate it. Okay, thank you. That's Kathy McLeod, Kamala Thompson, Member of Parliament, discussing the SNC-Lavalin affair and uh, yesterday's uh, shenanigans in the House of Commons with the Daughters of the Vote. Well, uh, that wraps up the Woodford Show, and uh, we'll see you again right here on the Radio Now, sometime tomorrow. From CHNL in Kamloops, a Stingray radio station, this is Radio NL 610 AM and RadioNL.com. Local News Now.